If you're here this morning, I think it's safe to assume that you are either a believer or a seeker. Now, seeker is a relatively new term. It's used to refer to those who are seeking in a religious sense. They're thought to be seeking an understanding of God, who they are in relation to him, and how to improve that relationship. Or they're seeking to establish a relationship with the family of God. They're seeking a church home. A believer is thought to be one who has found the answers to those religious questions and has hopefully established a relationship with a body of believers. I'm sure most of us moved into the category of believer long before the term seeker was even being used. But moving into the category of believer must not be the end of our spiritual journey. Jesus was not satisfied with believers. He wanted disciples. During the Feast of Tabernacles, some six months before his crucifixion, many of the multitude became believers. Many of them believed in Jesus when they saw the signs he performed, concluding that Christ wouldn't perform more miracles than he was performing. When he invited those who were spiritually thirsty to come to him and drink, some believed he was the prophet or the Christ. And as John noted in our last time together, when Jesus spoke, many came to believe in him. People were believing in him. But that does not appear that they were becoming disciples because Jesus was not impressed with their belief. During an earlier public appearance in Jerusalem, when he cleansed the temple the first time, John told us many believed in his name, beholding the signs he was doing, but he adds that Jesus was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. He knew what was in their hearts. They professed belief in him, but they were not yet disciples. And Jesus did not settle for belief. For as we will soon see, Jesus challenged the believers at the Feast of Tabernacles with the need to go beyond belief and to become true disciples. So what's a disciple? A disciple is a believer who seeks to become like the one he believes in who seeks to become like his teacher. A disciple is one who seeks to learn all that the teacher has to share and who puts into practice everything he learns from his teacher. Obviously, Jesus wants disciples, not just people who believe in him. He has, in fact, commissioned us to make disciples of all nations. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, what we call the Great Commission, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
We've been commissioned to make disciples. And we do so by baptizing believers and teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us. It's not our job to simply make believers out of seekers. We've been commissioned to make disciples out of believers. And the fundamental difference between a believer and a disciple is that disciples strive to observe all that our Lord has commanded us. That is discipleship. And that is what Jesus wants. That's what he challenged the believers in his day to become. And he told them how to do it. By describing a true disciple as one who abides in his word, who knows the truth, and who lives in freedom. Let's examine ourselves this morning and see if we are merely believers or true disciples. The first distinction we make is that a disciple is a believer who abides in his word. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Do you abide in his word? Now, I'm not just asking if you abide by it, if you obey it. We've already determined that a disciple strives to observe all that our Lord has commanded us. All I'm asking you here is how much time do you spend in his word? When was the last time you went to his word on your own to find out what he wanted you to do? When was the last time you just wanted to fellowship with your Lord so you got out his book and read it devotionally? When was the last time you meditated on the word of God, you contemplated its meaning throughout the day and thought of ways to apply it to your life? A true disciple abides in his word. He lives in it. You know, how can anyone claim to be a disciple of someone if they don't know what he says and they really aren't trying to find out? The believers are those who just hang around, who associate with a teacher and believe some of the things he says, usually the things they already agree with. Disciples, on the other hand, are those who want to know every word that comes out of the mouth of the teacher. I think it's rather obvious we have more believers than disciples in the church today. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how little effort some Christians expend to learn from the one they call Lord. They'll come to church if they haven't been up too late or don't have anything else to do or it's a special day. They may open a Bible or a Bible app, follow along in the manuscript if the preacher remembers to put them out, or fill in the blanks in the outline if they feel like it. 
They seldom, if ever, stay for Sunday school because they think Sunday school is for kids or those who happen to like it. They bemoan the fact that they don't know the Bible very well but can't make it on Sunday night when books are explored that apply it to life in general or societal issues. Or Wednesday night when Bible passages are discussed in detail. You know, they have other commitments. Now, contrary to the way it may seem right now, I try not to lay guilt trips on people to get them to come to church functions. I realize there's more to Christianity than church attendance, and I realize our lives are very busy. I loved what Anna picked up at uh, CIY. The devil doesn't work so hard to what make us bad, but to make us busy. I like that. I like that. You know, our lives are busy. But I can't help but wonder how serious someone is about the relationship with the Lord when it appears they have very little time for him. Now, again, I do have to admit, I don't know how you spend your time or why some don't come to the things we offer. Perhaps they're involved in personal Bible study that they find more beneficial than what we offer on Wednesday night. Maybe they have their own Sunday school program for their family. It's possible they go to other churches on Sunday nights or participate in interdenominational study groups or Bible clubs or listen faithfully to teachers and preachers on some form of media. I don't know how you spend your time. So I must not evaluate your relationship with Christ by your involvement in church activities, but I do know that a true disciple of Christ abides in his word. You make the call. Are you a believer or a disciple? The amount of time you spend in his word is the first indicator you can use to evaluate yourself. Let's go on to the next one. A disciple is a believer who, because he abides in God's word, knows the truth. Jesus continued, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, Pilate asked Jesus famously, What is truth? Few are even bothering to ask that question today. They don't believe such a thing as absolute truth even exists. That everyone is entitled to create their own truth. And to even question their truth is to make a personal attack on them. Even scientific truth is limited by what we know or hypothesize today and may change tomorrow. Indeed, much that we know today will not be true tomorrow. So it's hard to know what to believe. Polls are constantly telling us what segments of our society believe, but truth cannot be determined by a majority vote. We don't even know what to eat anymore. What we're told is good for us today may be declared a poison 
tomorrow. I just read this morning that a coloring agent in Skittles has been banned in Europe because it might make a change in our DNA. What is the truth? Sometimes we just don't know. We debate the issues and then try to make the wisest possible decisions based on the information we have. That's the best we can do in many areas of life. But not in all areas of life. In fact, in the most important areas of life, we can know the truth because we have been given the truth. We have been given the truth about our origin, our purpose, and our destiny. We know where we came from, why we are here, and where we are going. We know who's in control and what we must do to live forever in the presence of our Creator. We know what's most important in life and where our priorities must lie. We know what's right and what's wrong in the fundamental areas of morality. We haven't been left guessing in these matters. God has spoken. And when God speaks, it's the truth. And nothing will ever happen tomorrow to prove God wrong in anything. Now, our interpretation of what he has said may be faulty, and we may need to reevaluate our conclusions on occasion, but his word will never fail. If we abide in his word, we will know the truth. We won't go through life filled with anxiety about the future, hoping against hope that we've found the right answers to the big questions. We'll know that truth, and that truth will help us discern the truth in lesser, more temporal issues. If something flies in the face of what God has said, we know it's false, and we reject it. If something seems to fit into the picture that's been revealed to us by God, we give it serious consideration. If something agrees with God's word, we embrace it without question. There is much we can know. There is much that we can be sure about in this life as well as the life to come. But we've got to abide in his word to know the truth that has been revealed. Many answers have been given, but they do us no good if we've never learned them. A true disciple knows the truth, and it enables him to live in freedom. Jesus continued, and the audience continued. They answered him, we are Abraham's offspring and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you shall become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, 
Everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And a slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If therefore the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. When Jesus said that the truth would make them free, the Jews were offended by the suggestion that they needed to be made free. In spite of the political bondage they had endured for much of their history, they always thought of themselves as a free people. They were at least spiritually free, and no one could take that away from them. They were Abraham's offspring, and as such had a special relationship to God that guaranteed them free access to their creator. Or so they thought. But Jesus said they were enslaved to sin and as such could be cast out of the house at any time. A slave has no rights and everyone who sins has become the slave of sin. Sin robs us of our freedom to be what God intends us to be. And it robs us of the right to live in the household of God. The only one who can restore that right is the householder himself or the son of the householder. A slave can never make himself free. He can rebel. He can run away. He can hide. But he is never free. Until one who is not himself a slave sets him free. Jesus is the son who sets enslaved humanity free from the bondage of their sins. He's the one who makes forgiveness possible and enables us to once again have access to the Father. He is the one who enables us to be what God intended for us to be in the first place. He's the one who enables us to live above our passions and to break free from the self-destructive habits that enslave us. He's the one who frees us from guilt and shame. He's the one who frees us from anxiety about the future. But if you don't find, you don't find that freedom through simple belief in Jesus. Just saying, oh yeah, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus is not enough. It won't give you what Jesus wants you to have. You only find that freedom by becoming a disciple, by abiding in his word and discovering truth about yourself and your creator and your savior. You find it by entrusting yourself to the son who alone can give you eternal access to the father who can make you free indeed. Are you a believer? Or a disciple. 
I pray you are a disciple. Or that you are willing to become a disciple by surrendering your all to the one you call Lord. We sing that all the time because we need to hear it all the time. The only way Jesus can really free you is by surrendering to his lordship over you. That doesn't make sense to the world, but it makes sense to me. And I pray it makes sense to you. I pray we are all either disciples or are becoming disciples. Don't don't remain a seeker on the outside, always wondering where you ought to go or what you ought to believe. Don't even settle for just being a believer and saying, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I pray when I need to. Commit yourself to becoming a disciple. Do what's necessary to become a disciple of Jesus. Abide in his word. When opportunities are given to study it, go, come, study. Don't say, well, that's just extracurricular spiritual activity. <laughs> it's essential. You know, we don't try to come up with things just to rob you of your free time. We really don't. We try to find things that will help you become a disciple of Christ, to understand what he's called you to, what he's freed you to become, and what he wants you to be in society. We live in horrible times. Mark expounded on that last week. We've got a lot of work to do, and we're not going to know how to do it if we don't understand what's going on around us. I've chosen a book for this next season called A Strange New World. And man, I want you to come. You need to come. It's a condensation of a bigger book that I read that I thought was so important. But now it's in a form we can all understand. I can understand it better now. Take the time to become a disciple. Learn how to live in freedom. Study his word. Abide in his word on your own and with a group or with your mate or with your kids. And then live in freedom. Freedom from anxiety about the future. About your place in the kingdom of God. About your acceptability to your heavenly father because Christ is your Lord and your master, not just your savior. Amen? Amen. Commit to becoming a disciple. Do what's needed. Now, you don't save yourself by working hard. No, 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 no. We're saved by grace. He saves us in spite of our sin and our failure. But Jesus wants us to go beyond just believing. He wants us to be disciples. Only then 
can you be all he's called you to be. Only then can you enjoy what he wants to give. Only then can you give to him the glory he deserves. If there's something in your life you haven't surrendered to his lordship, do so now. Let's stand.